welcome to the Mindful Creator Podcast. I live by the philosophy that good or bad, we create everything in our life. If you're listening, my hope is that this podcast plants the seed in your mind that you can be the mindful creator of your world and that you might be inspired to take action to create your best life by whatever learnings impact you the most. Hey guys, what's going on? Joining me on the podcast today is Janan Al-Sahali. Janan, or Jen as I know her, is a qualified physiotherapist who took the decision to leave a career practicing in hospital to opening up her own clinics in the UAE and the US so that she could focus on helping people through intentional holistic healing. She has also gained a loyal following and created a company, Ame, which focuses on being a powerful palace of ideas and concepts to be explored around the topics of beauty, wellness and mindfulness. Jen, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Okay, so like we've spoken a little bit outside of this and I'm fascinated by your story. So why don't we start there? Um, Take us through the journey of how you started your work in hospital and then moving from there to start your own clinics. Okay, so I was always passionate about the human body. I loved studying it, understanding it, even when I was in high school. So I went into physical therapy, which made sense at the time. And then, you know, I'm a hard worker. I study. So I was the top of my class. So when I graduated, my dad was recommending that I, you know, work, start working. At the time, I wanted to open my clinic. But I was, you know, when you have that drive and ambition and you really just want to do everything really fast and you know you can do it. But around you, you have like people who are, I wouldn't say level-headed, but, you know, they talk out of common sense, Mm -hmm. like my dad at the time. And he was like, you need to gain experience, start working in a hospital and see how that goes. And then I started working for two years. I know one year and nine months for being very specific. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it was fun. Initially, I was really upset. I was so quiet. I just did the work and left every single day. I didn't learn much because we were the first batch and we didn't really have seniors to guide us and to teach us there. Um, And then for what I had this boss, her name was Emer. She was Irish. She was my first boss. I loved her. Like I really, really loved her for some reason. I think it's because of her mentality. You know, she, she had this strict, but very, mentor-like mentality so she teaches you but when you do something wrong she really lets you know that this was wrong and she's very strict and firm about everything so I loved that I I felt like we were alike and then she had to leave so she didn't tell us at the time we were nine physios but I heard um you know people talk around the hospital so I heard and I was like why is she leaving so I was I cried at the time I went to her and I was like you didn't tell me you're leaving So she left and then they were looking for someone to replace her. So we had one senior at the time and we were like eight juniors who just started like one year and a half. And some people have been there for two years. So we were really young. And then I, surprisingly, I was appointed acting head of the department. So I did that for about two months. I think, but you know, when you feel like you're in a place and you, and the people around you have this style and mentality and, and managing a place, especially when it's a hospital and, and where humans are involved, it can't be treated like as if it's a business, if that makes sense. Yep. So um, I tried, you know, I was trying to grow and grow the space and grow the place and grow the physios who were there. And I felt like it wasn't working because they wanted to do things a certain way. And I wanted to do things a certain way. And then I left and I was like, okay, screw this. I'm going to leave. So that, so was within, that was within a couple of months of you being appointed at like head yeah. Level, right? Yeah. I resigned two times and the, it got refused. <laughs> I got refused the first time. And then the second time I was like, 
hey, listen, I really need to go. Like I have things to do. And my boss at the time, he was like, bear with us. We're trying to change, you know, it's a hospital, it's not a clinic. So it takes time for things to change and things to happen. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't have all the time in the world. Like I need to move. And I'm very, I feel like I'm dynamic. I move. I don't like being in one place for a very long time. I don't like the same routine for a very long time. It's just, you know, in my personality. And after that, um, I decided to open up my clinic and I was like, yeah, I told my, I resigned without telling any of my family because my dad was against it at the time. So I was like, Hey, I resigned (laughs) and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go to work tomorrow. So and they were all surprised and shocked, but they were okay with it eventually. And then he was like, okay, let's, let's do this clinic thing. So uh, just before you carry on there, how yeah. was that experience in terms of like, what did you go through emotionally mm-hmm. at that time of like resigning without discussing it with family? Because like you said, you knew it was against your dad's wishes because he mm-hmm. had his, I would say probably out of security, he had his idea of what would be best for you. Um, to ensure that you were kind of looked after and had consistent, stable income and all those things. Um, But how was that experience about going and doing something that you knew you had to do versus what uh, someone who obviously plays uh, quite an influential role in your life decided what he thought would be best for you? Well, for me, it was fun. (laughs) Like, to me, it was super fun because I... I always had that with him specifically. Like my dad and I were the same. Like like I'm the female version of him. Um, I take a lot from him. He has a very strong personality and we clash a lot. So that was one of the clashes that we had. But I enjoy it, honestly. I enjoy clashing with him in a sense where he, he doesn't really get upset because he's not that type. But he was like because there was a crisis at the time in 2008 there was this economic crisis and he was like people are looking for jobs and and you have this opportunity right in front of you and you're appointed acting head of the department why leave like he had that you know it's a secure job and you're going to be promoted why leave and you're good but I felt like with my with the way I think and with the way I see things and how I see myself in the future, like 10 years down the line, I'm not doing myself justice, but he doesn't see that. So with all respect to my dad, I I feel like I had to make the choice. And when I did it, I, I did it in a very funny way. I was like, hey, dad, I resigned. So he took it lightly. He wasn't really upset. It was like, okay, she took the decision. She did it. She's a big girl. So We'll just go with the flow. So he, then two months later, he was like, okay, let's do this. Let's do the the clinic project. And you can go and look for a place and see how we can get, you know, uh, the licenses and, and everything. And yeah, I, I went and I pursued it. And I was like the youngest person to ever open a clinic at the time. Even the ministry, they were like, okay, if you did open a clinic, you're the youngest person who ever did it. I was like, cool, yeah, good, good, why not? That's... For many years, patients didn't trust me because of the way I looked. I was super tiny and young. I looked like an 18-year-old. So they were like, how can we trust this person to treat us? <laughs> but yeah. Well, I mean, it's definitely paid off. Uh, so congratulations on the success that you've had and how the clinic's been building. Um, yeah. That's interesting, like... I would say that you're in a super lucky position that you had that level of uh, support and guidance from your dad as well. Because uh, after resigning, especially in one of the hardest times, maybe apart from right now and everything that we've been through over the last uh, 12 months to coming on to like this year as well. Yeah. Um, what would you say to someone who, because it takes a lot of self-awareness to realize that even when you have everything there and it's secure, and you know, you've got something to fall back on and the world looks like it's crumbling around you. Mm. That takes a lot of self-awareness to go, okay, I need to get out of here because I know I have something else to do. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's kind of going through that battle at the moment? Like what would be a key question or key realization that they maybe need to have around being able to take themselves from something secure 
into something uncertain? I would say um, there, there will be a lot of demons in your head, a lot of fears, a lot of um, programming, things that you absorbed along the way as a kid growing up. Don't listen to that. Don't, don't feed that monster inside of you. Because if you do, if you lean on that person inside of you telling you, yeah, this is secure, just stay there. It's good for you. You're, you're going to be promoted or whatever. You're not going to go very far. And definitely put that aside and go for something unexpected, something no one did, something I, I love doing. I love being the first to do everything in general. So I always lean on that feeling when doing it. So if no one did it, yeah, why not? I want to be the first to do it. So I love that high. I get a high out of it for some reason. But that's that's amazing. Like, and and that is what fuels you. And I love the way that you just put it, which is you're gonna have those demons inside. They they're yeah. always there, right? They've been with us since we were young, and they've fueled certain decision making and everything as time has gone on. But it's yeah. your choice whether you feed that demon or whether you starve it. Yeah, starve it. Definitely starve it because, um, ev- <laughs> because if if um, you if you give it energy, it'll just grow, and it will just stop you and hinder you even further. You're gonna just feel heavier. It's gonna snowball into something that you really don't want in your life. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so. Now, I know that you wanted to leave because you wanted to do things a certain way when it comes to helping people, healing people and practicing physiotherapy on them in a specific way. Uh, Where you were working wasn't moving fast enough for any kind of adaptations that you wanted to bring in. So was it that you always wanted to practice holistic healing or is that something that you were trying to get through and it was like a concept when you were at the hospital and when you were released from it, that's when it came to fruition? Um, I always this had this analytical mind where I analyze things, even as a kid. Um, I have the story where when I was one year old, this is so funny, I, I don't believe in saying this on, on a podcast, but um, I, <laughs> my, my mom said, my mom told me when I was like, when, I'm, when the clinic grew, when it was like, like known and people talked about it. And she was like, my friends are talking about you. Everyone's talking about you. And then she told me the story. And she was like, I think part of why you are the way you are today is because you analyze things. As a kid, when you were one year old, one year old, she said, I would ask for a Barbie every single day, a new Barbie in a box. And then in the car, as soon as I get into the car, I open the box, I open the Barbie and I open her up. I open her legs, her arms and everything. And then I put her in a, in a, in a, in a basket. And then I put her up with all my Barbies under my bed. And then the next day I would see how everything fits together. So when I was at the hospital, I was seeing a lot of patients who weren't getting better. And I was thinking, why aren't these people getting better? Like they're getting medication, that we're giving them everything they need. We're using the modalities. and why is this the healing why is it hindered and i started learning more um and reading more and going to courses and trying to understand the human body and then i thought yeah this is way more than just physical like there's a whole different aspect to to it and if i stay i wouldn't be able to help as many people as i can and i can't apply the things that i want to apply and then i did that at the clinic, I started assessing people differently in a very weird way. People talk about the way I assess and they feel like, oh, this girl doesn't know what she's doing, but people are healing. Like we have a 95% success rate at the clinic. And wow. I dare someone to do that, honestly. So I, I did it in a way where it was just my way, the way I see it, the perspective. It's just a perspective. If you, if you just shift it, you see that the human body is way more than that. And after a few years, I was like, okay, this is physical and I'm helping as many people as I can. But I noticed that my patients today um, are not active in their own recovery. Like there's a whole different mind aspect that they don't know about. Um, The food aspect, the um, emotional aspect that their life in general is affecting the way they're healing or the way they're getting their pains and their symptoms and all of that. So I decided to open AMI to kind of complete that 
And I don't think it's going to stop there, honestly, with the obsession that I have. But, but I, I think I'm happy and content with where I am in the way of seeing what the human body is and deciphering and showing people the different layers of the body and, and how you can see it and how you can actually heal yourself by yourself. I love that. And I actually fully believe that as well. Um, yeah. I the way I see it from everything that I've learned as well over the past few years is if something physical is happening, um, whether that's pain or uh, fatigue or whatever, it has to be linked to something emotional. Like the seeing the two as if they were separate uh, entities doesn't work. It just doesn't because there's always something linked to something emotional because emotion drives action always. Yeah. And that emotion is linked to whatever pain you could be feeling. It's also linked to whatever joy you could be feeling. Mm -hmm. And if it can be linked to joy, then why can't it be linked to curing pain? So I love the concept and it sounds super fascinating. Um, so how, let's put it this way. What did you, what did you have to go through? Cause it sounds like you've been doing this since you were one years old, basically. So <laughs> that's, that's what I got from the story with the Barbies. So <laughs> you've been doing this since you were one years old. So this is clearly a passion that you've carried around for a long time. Um, where did the, where did the learnings from the mindset side of things and like the emotional trauma side of things come from? And then how did you, not just how did you integrate it, but how did you find a team that were also open to the same ideas of integrating both sides together? Cause I think that's super interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I, it started when I had an injury um, in 2011, and I had just graduated at the time. So I was working, I was doing my internship, and I had this really bad injury. And none of the physios who were seniors at the time could treat it. So one of the ladies who, who I met, she was at the hospital, she was like, I don't know if you're open to this, but there was this master, and she's an energy healer, and I I think she can help you. Why don't you go try and get a session with her? She tries and heals the issue from the root. Like she doesn't only treat you physically. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm open to these things. Why not? Let's go. So I went to her and I took three sessions and I was surprised with what she told me. Like she told me things I never knew about myself, but they made all the sense. She was like, yeah, you have a blockage here and you have a blockage here and it's affecting your knee. And then you have a directional issue and you're thinking about your future because knee represent direction, especially the, the, the left knee represents direction in relationships. The right knee represents direction and career in life and what you want to do. Wow. So, yeah. And when she said that, I was like, yeah, it makes all the sense because that's exactly what I'm stressing about right now. So, um, and what, I kind of, yeah, and then when I was like surprised, I was like, okay, I gotta, I, I need to take this course. So I took Reiki level one with her. And then uh, my life really changed. I changed as a person. And I noticed a huge shift in my own career when taking these courses. Because you change, your mindset changes, and you know, you just grow. It's like a boost in your life. And and then I took level two, and after that I took level three, and then I took level four, and then, and then I finished the Reiki levels, and I was like, okay, I'm, I need to look for something else. And I got my, my team uh, to do the same thing. We took pranic healing together mm -hmm. uh, last year before COVID, um, and that's how I have a team of people working with me who understand the body more than just the physical aspect of it. So they are actual healers and, and they're working at the clinic at the same time. That's, that's amazing. And I like what you just said about the knees. I uh, see, I find that stuff so fascinating because it's things that you don't consider. Right. And yeah. by going on that journey and wanting to learn a different aspect of the same uh, area of life, yeah. you open yourself up to someone else's perception. And it's like one of the most powerful places to learn from because now you're able to do that together with what you know, plus what you learned. And well, 95% success rate, I mean, or healing rate for your patients is huge. It's good, yeah. Yeah, that's massive. <laughs> that's massive. I, I mean, I know people that have been going to 
physiotherapy or chiropractors or um, acupuncturists for years and years and years and haven't had success. They go for pain relief, not for a cure on the pain, not for treatment. And I love that because that's what we do. We transform whatever's there. Like if there's a knee issue, we do treat the knee, but we do treat other things that are related to the knee, if that makes sense. And that's why when we call the patients, because the 95 success rate, we got that because we call patients two years later. We call them and we do like kind of a survey and we're like, Okay, you took treatment here two years ago, and how are you feeling today? I was like, yeah, I'm perfect, pain-free, nothing, I'm good. And we kind of took all the patients and see if they're fully recovered, even at two years after receiving the treatment. And that makes me feel so good because I did treat the cause and not really just relieve the pain, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's very satisfying. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's very rewarding and it makes you feel fulfilled, I'm guessing, in what you're doing and why you're doing it. And yeah. um, see, I, I just love the fact that it's holistic. The combining both sides together is so important. And I do wish that more people would do that because it's like when you have a headache. Mm-hmm. You, take, you take a paracetamol or an ibuprofen or something, or if you're experiencing muscle pain, you take a pill and yeah. it treats the symptom, but not the cause. And only until you find out the cause of it, you will keep getting the recurring pain in whatever form it was. So, I mean, even for simple things like a headache, you could take a paracetamol and be like, oh, I get headaches, but maybe you're dehydrated. Maybe that's why you're experiencing it. Maybe you're tense. Maybe you're tense about something in a relationship or work. Like maybe that's something you haven't considered. Super powerful. Makes a massive impact. Yeah. So... Let's talk about uh, Ame now and like the wellness, beauty and um, like the whole holistic side of that from health as well. Why, why was that important to you to start? Like, why was that? Um, why is it so important to incorporate that into what you're doing from a clinic perspective? Um, I, like I said, when you're in a clinical setting, you can apply the medical aspect to a certain extent and and you're in a category like by law you're bound by law to practice to just in that range you know Mm -hmm. you can't go beyond that and then i was like okay i need to open something that really educates these people and shows them um what i'm trying to tell them what i'm trying to teach them but i want it to be worldwide i want it to be known so and um, I decided to open it in LA and have a team there. And I have a team of writers that research do all the background, like the background research that we need for each topic. And we sit down in meetings and we talk about them. We have a strategy for each month to make sure that we're covering all aspects. And we try to bring the latest to people like Um, talk about the fascial system, talk about relationships, talk about sexual wellness as well, because that's really something I think people need a lot of education on. And, and yeah, I felt like I had a lot of built up information and things that I apply personally in my life that I would want to express. And I'm a very expressive personality. So I felt like that platform is a really nice safe space for me and all women and men around the world to you know, educate themselves. on. I love it. And like you said, it's, you're talking about things that might be a taboo subject or people feel ashamed to talk about. And it's like giving it a voice where people don't have to be worried or ashamed to speak about those things or even learn about those things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So again, it's, um, I love it because you're all about empowering and you're doing it from so many different angles. So it's awesome. Um, what made you choose LA? So, I mean, I know you started off in the um, UAE. What made you choose LA? And how was- I started in Bahrain. Oh, okay, you started in Bahrain. I have a project in UAE that we're currently working on. Okay. And um, I launched Ami in like, I have these three places where I'm in between. So when I'm traveling, I'm between Bahrain, um, Dubai, and then LA, yeah. Wow. So how was that transition of opening up 
different locations and like getting the right team in each place because obviously where you are where you did the courses together you had that team localized with you is that the same team that goes around with you worldwide or do you have a separate team set up in each location a separate team in each country and how is that managing people managing the team uh kind of keeping an eye on everything that's going on making sure it's all in alignment with what you want because you went from hospital and nine people in front of you to your own clinic expanding what you provide as a service and going worldwide so how do you manage all of that now I can definitely say it's not easy. People think it's easy. My friends say, you make it look so easy. How do you do that? Um, I work uh, remotely with the people in LA right now. I travel with COVID. It's been really hard because I was supposed to be like during this year, I was supposed to be in LA in March, last March. And then I was supposed to go again uh, in June and like every three months. Right. And in between, I would go to Dubai, which is easy because when I'm coming to LA, I can just pass by Dubai. Um, but with COVID, it has been really hard. So I have been managing the whole team for a whole year from here. But I was able to go as soon as the airports were open. I was able to travel back and forth uh, to Dubai. Mm -hmm. um, so that was easy. But we do everything mostly remotely when I'm in each country. I just try and manage my time based on where I am. And I have my manager who's managed helping me manage things. So he's with me most of the time because he helps manage all three projects. So that kind of makes my life easy. But before him, life wasn't this easy. Yep. Um, I have my LA meetings at, at night if I'm in Bahrain or Dubai. And when I'm in LA, I do my meetings early in the morning you know what I mean? So yeah, I switched them around, but my team, I choose a team of people who can also, um, you know, they don't give me a hard time. Like they are very aware of what's required and it's easy for us to just put a strategy and follow through. So we have a system, we work on base camp. If, if you're familiar with that, Mm -hmm. uh, do you, you know Basecamp, right? No, I, sorry, I don't know. No, I don't know what Basecamp is. So Basecamp is a platform where you can have your team there. The, the company the company is like a digital headquarters for the company. Okay, cool. So have the whole team on there and I'm there. So the instructions go in and if anybody has a question, deliverables go into the you know document section and yeah, all communications happen through Basecamp. Um, when it comes to the clinic, we have something similar, but it's not Basecamp. But yeah, and okay. I go to communications here when I'm here. Yeah. Okay, it's amazing because yeah, people management is definitely the hardest. And I just understood. Um, so Basecamp, I'm assuming, is like um, like Slack or Trello. It's like another uh, project uh, software that the team can all get yeah. integrated on. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So, I mean, like challenge, managing a team is challenging enough. Doing it across three branches across the world is uh, a different ball game of challenges, but it's, uh, it's good to see that, you know, you have people, you choose people based on their ability, not just to get the job done, but also who have the right work ethic. Sure. Like, um, have you experienced working with anyone who hasn't had that? Yeah. As someone who operates a business, I'm sure it's happened multiple times. So I just fired someone on Sunday. You fired someone on Sunday. Wow. Okay. So, so, I like I'm a very kind, sweet boss. I think kind, maybe not that sweet, but kind. Um, but if I like in a very kind way, I I say like he say see this is not working because it's kind of hindering my ability to get the job done, and you can't deliver, and it makes it's making your life very stressful. It's not working. So I just look for someone else who is better fit for the job. And um, I just see whatever works. And I always go with my gut feeling, honestly, when I see someone or when I meet them. And when it's right, I just know it's right. And I ask like weird questions in interviews. So that, that helps because you get to know them better. And yeah, it makes my choices pretty easy. Love it. And do you know what? The way I see it is hiring is... You can do it off gut feeling. You can do it off uh, all the questions, but ultimately it's still um, 
it's still a risk that you're taking. It's still a chance that you're taking on someone. Um, but firing is, as unfortunate as it is to go through the process, it's still a knowing because hiring is guesswork. Firing happens when you know based on results delivered and the yeah. work vibe, the work ethic, everything around it. So, okay. Yeah. Were you going to add something else? No, no, oh, okay. you're absolutely right. You said it perfectly. Love it. Okay. So maybe staff might be the answer to this next question, but what has been the biggest challenge for you throughout your entire journey since you started your first clinic? What do you feel like has been the biggest challenge for you to overcome? And maybe it's presented it again and again, um, presented itself again and again, or it happened once and you managed to kind of overcome it. Hmm. Um, I would say detachment. Okay. Um, because you get to a point when you have your work as a priority, right? And you have your personal life mm -hmm. getting in the way sometimes. And I wouldn't say getting into a, in the way, but I would say you would, you would need to kind of prior, prioritize your personal life or your work life or try to unbalance both, both of them. And some, at the time when I started the clinic, I was single. So, and I was in and out of relationships. So it was when you, when you are with somebody and you're trying to run multiple projects or multiple companies, you can't really have an emotional day. It's not okay for you to have an emotional You have to be on, on top of everything all the time mm -hmm. because people rely on you. You have to run the show. So I learned to detach and to kind of put emotions aside and be this um like very objective very um like like being emotionally intelligent all the time all the time and that actually helped my relationships if that makes sense so um i think detaching from things and also when losing losing someone or something or even losing a patient or losing anybody um that's something that was hard in the beginning but i detached from the idea of feeling like like it's an actual loss so i think the ultimate even even when you're spiritual and when you're on this journey um i i one master taught me and he said um he was saying the ultimate level of spirituality is ultimate detachment detaching from everything anyone money people your job and everything sometimes for humans it's not okay for us to hear that you feel like what is this guy saying? How can I detach from money? How can I detach from my family, my mom, my dad? I can't detach from these people. But when you're detached from everything, that's when you are a pure soul, a pure soul and pure consciousness. And purely present in the moment. Present, yes. Yeah, I love so that. Is it for me? So what was your initial take on practicing detachment? How did you start implementing that? Because saying it, I get it. Like saying it is one thing, but actually practicing detachment is a completely different uh, monster in itself. Because when you're detaching yourself, you're detaching yourself from emotion and rather becoming aware of what emotions are being experienced. So whether it's pain, anger, frustration, sadness, um, and actually choosing not to react to that. So yeah. Like, how was that experience? What were some of the techniques you used to even start detaching? Um, first of all, I would always look at myself first. Like, I'm, I think self-love is, is the thing for me. So when I, when I lose something, I would always say I lost it for a reason. And that reason is, is good for me. I may not see it now. I don't really understand it now, but I need to love myself more than I ever did before. And every time I lose something, I love myself more than I ever did before. And it's weird, but it's very empowering. And then I would practice meditation, sending healing, forgiving whoever, whatever. I would do this Ho'oponopono technique. It's a Hawaiian technique that teaches you forgiveness and love. Yeah, I and love that. That's so powerful, so helpful. I, I feel so good afterwards. And 
And doing these practices just helps me like after three, it just takes me three days, honestly. It's like, it's as if someone died. So <laughs> three days and then I, I'm like, I feel so much better now. Like I do this uh, Reiki technique. It's called um, the Budo meditation. It's Budo and it's so strong. I still do it. Even though I took level four, this is a level three um, meditation, but I still do it because it's so strong and that really helps. And doing a lot of, you know, spending time with myself, going to the spa, running, exercising, those are things that make me personally feel so good, whole and happy. And that really helps. And then someone else comes along, something else, something better comes along. And then I understand like, yeah, this is why it happened. So it's fine. Chill, chill about it. Like, you know? I love that. So just um, for everyone listening, um, the, the Ho'oponopono technique that uh, Jen was just talking about has four stages. Uh, Jen, if you want to describe what they are for everyone listening, uh, I think it's super powerful. It is. It's a technique when you're sitting and you're imagining the other person or whoever you, you are in a fight with, whether it's your dad, your mom, your brother, sister, your lover, whoever. And then you're imagining as if you're sitting and you're sending them healing energy from your heart chakra to theirs and repeating like three um, lines. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I thank you and I love you. And you keep repeating it until you feel a shift in energy and until the, the other person is filled with pink light. And then by the end of the meditation, you imagine or you see as if that person is hugging you and your auras are connected and then you close in meditation yeah no i love it it's uh, it's so powerful i've done it a couple of times uh it definitely changes your perspective on a situation yeah and, and I, the thing is the other person feels it yeah exactly without sometimes uh sometimes it's with you uh letting them know beforehand that you want to do something and sometimes it's they don't they're not involved ever they don't even yeah. know that you're thinking about it or whatever, but they feel it because it's a shift in energy and the shift in energy can be incredibly powerful. Um, it, well, everything in the world is energy. So uh, it's no wonder that people can feel that shift. Um, okay, amazing. So I love, I love that. Self-love I think is extremely important. Being able to spend time with yourself. The way I take that is actually allowing yourself time allowing yourself time because when you experience something negative, let's just use the staff example. Let's just use that uh, you've hired someone that you're not getting on with or they're not doing the job properly and you need to make a change. So you make the change, but it can cause emotional reactions. It can make you yeah. feel a certain way, but by taking yourself away from the situation, detaching yourself from the situation, yeah. you allow yourself a bit of time and space to not react emotionally. And that is one of the most powerful things you could ever do for yourself. Because if you don't react, you've given yourself time and that time allows you to see a different perspective. Yeah. And then rushing, right? When things mm -hmm. happen, your hormones change the way you think it's energetic. And then it becomes physical because when you have a thought, your mind instantly reacts to it physically. And you have this, your body is like is boiling. And you need to calm down, bring, you know, your energy levels higher and, and align and have your home hormones be regulated and then think, well, if I did that, what I was going to do at the time when I was, you know, reacting, mm -hmm. would I be happy with the reaction right now, with the way I'm thinking right now, you know, and, and, and then it makes sense. And then when you get in the habit of, of repeating whatever happened, you know, it's like, it's, it becomes, it becomes normal. It becomes, um, it's become, you repeat it until it becomes who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it becomes a habit that's ingrained into your being, yeah. uh, before that point And before learning the skill of detaching yourself, your habit was to react. Yes. That's it. So it's ingraining a different habit into your system. And then you do eventually become that habit. This is why people say you are your habits. That's your habits determine your outcomes in life. Uh, yeah. And if you're not liking your outcomes, then your habits need to change. 
true. Your thoughts and your beliefs, um, you make them and then they make you. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Okay. <laughs> so what is the ultimate vision for you? From everything that you've achieved so far, where, where do you see yourself going? Where do you see the company going? What's the ultimate goal? I have huge plans for Ami, honestly. Um, huge plans for the clinic as well. Clinic is growing. Um, um, we're going to expand soon. We have an expansion program. Um, and it's, it's supposed to be done in March, but I think it's going to be delayed because of the government delays. Mm -hmm. uh, but with Ami, I feel it can grow even bigger just because it's an online platform and it can reach a lot of people. Um, I see it impacting a lot of lives. I see myself, I, I see myself in woman empowerment, if you haven't noticed, and I love empowering women. And I eventually do wanna become a speaker and someone who really um, speaks up for women who can't really speak for themselves and help a lot of people. I, do, I wanna do a lot of charity work. So eventually, Ame will have a segment, and we're working on that, on the website where we do a lot of char charity and events and things like that to help people. And I, I see myself going there in the media, being someone who is a figure um, that's a human advocate. I want to advocate for, ad be an advocate for a lot of humans. Eventually. Amazing. I love that. And do you know what? It's something that's I've found common uh, with everyone that I've spoken to in these podcast interviews, that the vision is bigger than themselves. Yeah. It's not just about them. It's not just about the business. It's not just about the money. It's yeah. where there is a real level of fulfillment, yeah. purpose, and I think more importantly, happiness. Yeah. Because because even when you're talking about the things that you want to do, the charity work, speaking, women empowerment, all kind of giving, giving the people who don't have a voice, a voice, a platform to be heard. I can see it in your face. I mean, I know this is on a recording and I'm sure people can hear it because everything is energy as well. You look happier when you're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's amazing because what I've loved and what I've learned from just now yourself and from everyone else that I've interviewed is it is about getting to that level of happiness, being happy now with what you've accomplished yeah. and then continuing to live that life of wanting to fulfill both purpose and happiness as you move forward and helping other people along the way. Yeah, I, I really want to be able to reach that point. I think, um, I don't know if I should say this on the, I think I shouldn't say this on the podcast. It's too early for me to say it, but I'm, I'm planning something and it's uh, related to Ame and um, it's going to happen by the end of the year. Okay. It's something. Um, okay. I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. You don't have to say it, but for everyone listening, watch this space because at the end of this year, something big will be happening. And I'm sure uh, if you're following Jen, then you will definitely be keeping an eye out for it. Um, so, and do you know what? I wish you the best of luck with it as well, because as you said from the beginning, and I can sense it as well, you're driven, you want to make things happen, you can't sit still. So I have no doubt that it will come to fruition for sure. Um, last couple of questions. What would you say is your biggest failure to date? Failure. Yeah, biggest failure. I mean, it, you can call it failure or something that you've kind of uh, bounced back from, but yeah. what's been the biggest one to date? Um, not living up to people's expectations. Can you expand so, on that? But it's not a failure. To me, people see it as a failure because a lot of people in the region that I am today uh, see me as a failure, even though I, I feel like I'm succeeding because they feel like we have standards, we have um, you know, traditions and women should be a certain way, should dress a certain way, should talk a certain way, should behave a certain way. And I don't see it as a failure. People see it as a failure, but I feel like I, if I'm not living up to that, their expectations, I'm doing something right. Anyway, if, if, if that what your question meant, is that what? You so 
that's answering a different question for me, <laughs> which is cool, which is like, but I guess that's, that's helpful to understand your perspective, even on that, because that's intense, right? You have people around you who all have their opinions, their perceptions of how they think the world should be, how they think women should be, what their perception is of what you should be doing on a day-to-day basis and not living up to that is I would say a win for you a massive win because if you did live up to that yeah these clinics wouldn't exist definitely if you did live up to that you wouldn't have all your patients who you've been helping definitely so like that's a huge win it's a huge win yeah but I'm I'm saying they see it as a failure because to them, I need to be an at-home wife, um, dressing a certain way, um, attending things that I should be attending that I'm not attending today. And you know what I mean? They have like this um, like fantasy that each woman, woman who is brought up here should be like that, you know? And I, 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 I really can't relate. Like, you know, I don't relate to that neither does my dad I think which is amazing I mean that's incredibly empowering for you because you've got such a strong support system behind you to help you through that as well and yeah. it's probably something that gave you a lot of the confidence to step away from what everyone else's conditions of who you should be um were kind of displayed to you as uh, so the question I was asking you is what's been your biggest failure something that you've done that you wish had gone a different way and you've had to learn from it and change from it and everything else? Mm. Okay, I don't wanna sound cocky or arrogant, but I, I don't really regret anything. I learned from everything, but... Um, Oh, by the way, you don't have to regret a failure. Mm. Yeah, okay. so this that's absolutely fine. I'm not asking you if there's something that you've uh, failed at or learned from that you regret, because I actually think that failure is a part of our journey, right? We're, we're all going to fail at something or we're all going to experience massive challenges and we're not going to succeed on the first, second, third or fourth attempt. But what's been some of the bigger things that you've had to overcome to kind of push yourself past that level of uh, failure or learning? Jen, you still there? Sorry about that. We just got disconnected because of connection issues on Zoom, which I'm pretty sure every single human being on the planet has been experiencing over the last year because of COVID. Um, <laughs> so uh, Jen, I was just asking you, what is uh, something that you've had to overcome? Maybe your biggest mm -hmm. challenge or your biggest failure at the way you see it doesn't have to be something that you regret. Because I think that it's part of the journey and it shouldn't be a regret, but rather an opportunity to change your direction or learn from. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I think we failed um, a few times, honestly, to launch Ame at the right time. And I was supposed to move as well. I was supposed to go somewhere or travel at the time. And I, have to, I had to be in two places at once. And because of COVID, honestly, all my plans got shattered. And Ami was supposed to launch in April last year, and we launched in November. And each time we set a date, it would get pushed. It would get pushed for many reasons. Sometimes it's regulations, registration, things with the lawyer. And that's very frustrating. And to me, me not meeting a deadline is something that I really don't like. So I cried about it sometimes. I was like, why isn't this happening? And I was really upset. But then I was like, it's meant to happen at this time. So just let it go, be easy about it. And don't really try and, and, and make it work even if it's not working. Um, and I, I even wanted to launch AMI on my birthday, which was in June. So we pushed it to June and I was really pushing for it to launch on my birthday so that we had the same birthday but it didn't work out. <laughs> so that was really something I struggled with because I'm used to doing everything on time, having a plan and seeing it through till the end. 
So I, I would say that is a failure, but then eventually I didn't really see it as a failure because the whole team was like, we're doing everything we can. And it's just meant to launch on in November. Yeah. So yeah, that was, there were a lot of challenges where boxes weren't getting shipped like PR boxes and things that a lot of details that I can't talk about, but it's just too much. Um, but in general, AMI was a challenge for me with the regulations in the States. I love that because again, and, and this is where um, like, I love your consistency uh, in terms of uh, before when you're talking about detachment as one of the main skills that you've been working on. Yeah. It's the same thing that I would say applied here for you because it was detaching yourself from the result, mm-hmm. but keeping yourself attached to the process. Yeah. Because, and, and I guess this is probably why so many people end up not following through or like they failed and gave up and then didn't try again because they were attached to a result that they wanted they were they were attached for example to that date in june Mm -hmm. and if it didn't happen they failed and they stopped because they were like i didn't hit my goal that was it but when you detach yourself from the result and rather keep yourself attached to the process and you go okay well that date in june came I didn't hit my goal, but I'm going to keep going with the process. Yeah. Then you kind of guarantee yourself that you're going to get a result. Yes. I love it. We agree. And I love how you said it. Um, Another thing was that I had a vision that Ami would reach milestones and it's not hitting the milestones I want, I want it to hit. And initially I had a problem with it. Like the first two months I was like, I expected to have more followers on Instagram on Ami's page and it's not really hitting my milestones. And because we're doing a lot of PR, we're doing a lot of just get getting people to know what Ami is, but it's not really reaching. And I had struggle. I struggled with the idea that it's not reaching a lot of people, but then I was like, remember you're doing this, like you said, to help people. So if you help one person a day, if one person reads your blog a day and learns from it then you you're actually you're actually hitting milestones every single day so once i let that go things shifted on the page you know exactly that that's exactly it like you detached yourself from a specific result that you had in mind but you Mm -hmm. kept yourself attached to the process and because of that you are where you are that attachment to the process is what gives success the result is just a product of that and it will happen when it happens true love that okay last two questions what is your most inspiring book or movie and what did you learn from it and you can do book and movie or one or the other your choice book and movie book i'd say emotional intelligence 201 to 201, I can't remember the number, but it's emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. It was um, a book I really loved, honestly. And um, a movie. Like, I'm a Marvel fan. I don't know if that counts. Any movie. Any movie. But I'm curious to know what you learned from it. What I learned. Um, I'm an Iron Man fan. Okay. So my favorite movie would be Iron Man 1. And Amazing! all the ones that came after it, any Iron Man movie, like I'm all over it. Um, and what I learned is that no matter where you are, because he was kept in a cave and he was struggling and he was in pain and he had this metal thing in his chest, but he persevered and he came out of it way stronger. And by the way, I love Robert Downey Jr. because he reminds reminds me of my dad. He has the same exact personality. Like I cry when I see him for no reason. And, <laughs> and, and then he he became this uh, superhero. He's a he he became this figure of of you know hope and faith and and helping people and leaving his company. To help people which may which is also to me it's like i'm not leaving the clinic really but i'm kind of shifting into a different field to help more people so that creates the same kind of uh 
like scene for me in my life. And that's why I love him and I love the movie. Amazing, I love it. That's actually super powerful. The, the scene where right at the beginning, he's in the cave, he's trapped, he's a prisoner. And yeah. that's why I love this quote that I've got written up behind me, which is the antithesis of helplessness is creativity and innovation. And that is exactly what that scene is about. Yeah. Because you could be anywhere in the world. You don't have to be in prison, but maybe you could be in like a mental prison, right? Mm -hmm. And you do feel helpless. You do feel like you can't go anywhere. You do feel stuck. Mm. There's only, there's two things that can happen. One, you feed that monster and you feed the idea that you're stuck. And then yeah. you stay there because you give it energy and it grows. Yeah. Or you create a way out. You innovate a way out. You find, you find something. a solution. A solution. Exactly. I think, yeah, your mind should shift from the problem and into a, a, a solution that can get you out of it and feed that thing energy instead. 100%. It's actually super interesting. Like one of the things that I talk about when I teach people as well, we always talk about things in terms of problems. We always talk about our issues and what we see in life as what we don't want. Mm -hmm. But what if we started talking about it in terms of what we do want? That little shift in perspective can be the difference between you staying stuck or you creating the relationship you've always wanted or you creating a multi-million pound organization or you becoming famous or you becoming a speaker or whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. But it is changing yourself from feeling helpless and stuck yeah. to choosing a way to find a solution so true and when you said instead of saying what i don't want because the universe and the universe doesn't understand don't it doesn't really understand it when you say i don't want this you're gonna see it right in your face you know and you need to shift that and say i want instead of saying i don't want to be fat say i want to be healthy i want to be that I want to be lean. I want to say all the right things that you actually want because the universe is going to deliver, you know, weight gain instead. You know what I yep. mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is a completely different conversation now because this is entering, <laughs> entering now into the realm of what I absolutely love teaching and uh, preaching about. But it's so true because your mind doesn't judge. You, it, your mind doesn't sit there thinking, oh, that's a bit of a negative thought. Uh, you shouldn't have that. It just accepts it. And that's what you then create in your reality. So for example, if your sentence to yourself or what you're saying to yourself is, I don't want to be stuck in this job. What you're saying and what your mind is hearing is stuck in this job. Yeah. So then what you end up creating is being stuck in this job. Yeah. But if you focus on what you want, you will find opportunities. You might still be in the same job for a little while. It doesn't mean that you leave on that day or that week, but because you've changed your perspective, you've opened yourself up to another opportunity. That's it. Amazing. Okay. Last question. This has been so much fun. Uh, last question. If you could give yourself, if you can go back in time and give your younger self just one piece of advice, mm. what would you say to her? Um, I would tell her to I tell her to um, trust the process more. I, I, you know, I did trust the process at the time, but sometimes I didn't. So I would tell myself in those times, in those hard times, trust yourself more and believe that it's going to happen. Eventually it's just going to happen, whatever it is, because I, I like things happening really fast. I, 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 I I can't wait, you know, I'm, I'm kind of impatient. So I would also tell myself to be patient and everything happens in divine timing. And I know that now because I learned it now, but I didn't know that at the time, divine timing. Love it. That's wisdom right there. Perfect. Jen, thank you so much for being on uh, the show with me. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had fun. Um, Good. And um, I'm, I can't wait for people to hear your story. I know it's going to inspire so many people. And I know 
uh, everyone that follows you will be interested to know like what you've been through, what the way you see things, your perspective. Um, so everyone uh, listening as well, you can follow Jen on Instagram uh, under Jen's Allure. And then from there, you can follow Arme as well. Um, thank you all for listening and uh, have a good day. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mindful Creator podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and you got some value from it, I'd really, really appreciate a review. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends, family, colleagues, anyone that you think could benefit. Thanks again. Have an amazing day and stay visionary.